Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Foundations Church, like Justin said, I am so excited to be here and I've got to bring some energy because everybody knows that Justin is a little energetic and hyper at times, so I'm going to do my best to steward this opportunity and fill in for Pastor Justin. And like he said, I am not a stranger to this church. Uh, I do want to introduce myself a little bit. I want to start with showing you guys a little picture of my family. That's me and my amazing, beautiful wife. Jamie, and our two little kids, Paxton, who's five, and Addison, who will be three later this month. And then the zoom out, a little bit bigger picture. Anyone who's done family pictures knows that if you were actually witnessing this scene, it was complete chaos. But for one snapshot moment in time, we got a good picture. A lot of you guys might know my parents, Steve and Cindy Newsbaum, and my sisters, the Kerstetters and the Moors, uh, people here at this church. But I also want to let you know, uh, like, like Justin said, I am on staff with Victory, but I was a huge part of Foundation Church from the very beginning. I, I'm not saying I was a huge part, but Foundation Church was a huge part of my life for, for many, many years. I was a youth leader for Pastor Justin when he was a youth pastor. And you think Pastor Justin is crazy and hyper and energetic now, you should have seen him when he was a youth pastor without rules, basically given a whole separate building and a whole bunch of high schoolers. It was insane. We can tell you so many crazy stories of getting kicked out of water parks, getting kicked out of condos, getting kicked off of golf courses, crazy things with golf carts, um, just tons and tons of, of fun memories with Pastor Justin. And Justin's always been such good friends with our family. And and he left for a couple years and getting ready to come back to, to Tulsa to start Foundations Church in 2008. And our family was completely on board. And we said, Justin, we support you. We want to be a part of it. In 2008, I spent Saturday mornings out at LaFortune Park with water bottles that say Foundations Church on them and, uh, and just passing them out to people jogging. Hey, we're about to start a church. We're about to start a church. Come check us out. And I spent four years doing setup and teardown over at Memorial High School. I spent some Sunday mornings working in the nursery in the women's basketball locker room at Memorial High School, watching little babies and taking care of them. And so many great memories. And then still a part of this church when we uh, got to move into this building. And me and my wife actually got married right here. I remember standing right about here watching her walk down the aisle as she did not look at me at all. And I was crying. 
and she didn't even notice. But it's all good. Great memories of this church in this building. We love, 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 love Foundations Church so much. So honestly, and Pastor Justin, I know you're watching online. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. And and, and I'm honestly, I'm just thrilled about it. So I was actually going through, I still have my sermon notes from the first five years of being here at Foundations Church. I have them numbered literally in the top corner of all the sermon notes that I have. I numbered each service that I came to and uh, with 190 is the last one that I have here. But I noticed on, uh, on the message 178 on March 24th of 2013, Justin's title, Sippy Cups and Potty Training. I am very aware of a lot of those metaphors now in my life with sippy cups and potty training. And Justin always has such crazy good uh, sermon titles out there. And so I was going to title my message today, Pizza and Popsicle Sticks. And you might ask me, what does pizza and popsicle sticks have to do with my message? And the answer is absolutely nothing. But I just wanted to come up with a really cool title. But that's not actually my title. My title today is PF Change. Now, not PF Changs. Some of you right now might be deciding where you are going to lunch after church today because your taste buds are watering right now. But no, not P.F. Changs. But the message, the title of my message today is P.F. Change. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit and how we all need a little P.F. Change in our life. So I will dive into that in a little bit. But first of all, I want to dive into our scripture today And I'm going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27 in the NIV version. They'll have it up on the screen as well. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. I can't really see a lot of you guys out there because of the the lights, but I'm hoping none of you guys are sleeping right now, and I'm going to do my best to keep you guys awake. But it says here that Jesus was in the boat in the middle of chaos and a storm, and Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. You see, I was a Christian kid growing up in church, in Sunday school, just like Joel was talking about, growing up in the Sunday school classes where I've I've heard this passage in scripture over and over and over again in my life. And every single time I've ever heard this passage in scripture, I've always had the exact same takeaway, and it's been very simple. Oh my goodness, Jesus is crazy powerful. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is omnipotent. He has power over everything, and the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus is really, really cool, and he's really powerful, and he can do lots of cool tricks. That's always been my my takeaway from this message, but I honestly believe that that had nothing to do with what Jesus was trying to convey in scripture, and and in my life, I think I missed it my whole life reading this scripture until recently, a year or so ago, this scripture came alive to me in an entirely different way. So I'm going to dive into that today, 
and talk about what I believe Jesus was really trying to convey in this passage in scripture. And to do so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about a little analogy and talk about the difference between first reactors and first responders. You see, there is a really, really big difference in these two words. My brother-in-law, I think they're watching online right now, Jeremy Moore is the Broken Arrow Fire Chief. Uh, I've got friends that are firemen and gotten to know a lot of different firefighters and people in that line of duty. We refer to them as first responders. They are first responders, and that's kind of a cool name that we give them, and it comes with a lot of things that we understand about first responders. But the firemen are not the first people to encounter a negative situation. The firemen are not the first people to encounter a fire or a car wreck or a situation. You see, when a, when a woman walks into the kitchen and comes around the corner and, and let me clarify, it doesn't have to be a woman that walks into the kitchen. It can also be a man that walks into the kitchen. I make a Actually, I don't make a mean mac and cheese. That's my joke. But honestly, I don't, my wife has to make it. So, but I can do, I can heat up a pizza pocket like nobody's business. Um, but when a person walks into the kitchen and there's a fire, that is the first person to come across the situation. When somebody is driving down the road and a car wreck happens, the firemen aren't the first person to encounter the situation. The people in the car, in the car wreck, are the first people to encounter the situation. So more times than not, the person who walks into the kitchen or the person in the car wreck, more times than not, they don't respond well. More times than not, we react out of emotion. We, a, a, a whole slew of emotions. You see a fire and you weren't expecting that and all of a sudden there's, there's fear, there's worry, there's anxiety and, and you start freaking out. You get in a car wreck, somebody pulls out in front, he doesn't stop at a red light and you get in a car wreck, there's a lot of anger. Why, what are you doing? Why did you do that? Why didn't you stop at the light? Now I didn't, I, I'm not ready for this. I don't have time to deal with this today. And you see, what, what happens more times than not as first reactors, the reason we react out of emotion and the reason we react out of emotions of, of fear and, and worry and doubt and anxiousness, anxiety and, and anger and, and hatred in the, in the status and the, the climate of our world that we're in today, there's so much chaos whether it's the political situation and the person you voted for didn't win or if uh, you know, you've, you're dealing with the issues of, of racial injustice or the pandemic has affected you personally, whether health-wise or business and financially, there are situations and things all around us and we are encountering these situations in our lives and we are reacting out of emotion because here's the bottom line, we weren't planning on that happening. We weren't expecting that this would happen. I don't think anyone went into 2020 and said, all right, guys, get ready because this is going to be a year to remember. At the end of uh, every year, they always do like a Webster's Dictionary word of the year, and I'm pretty sure the word of the year this year is going to be unprecedented. 
I think that is a word that has jumped to the top of everyone's vocabulary this year. You see, nobody was expecting any of this to happen. Nobody expects to walk into the kitchen and see a fire. No one expects when they get up and go to work on the way into work in the morning that someone's going to not stop at a light and we're going to get in a car wreck. Nobody expects these things to happen. So we react oftentimes negatively. But on the other side, so when, when you encounter the situation, you make a phone call. You call 911. And on the other end of that phone call, there's a fireman. And when you make that call in the firehouse, the alarm bell goes off. Now imagine a whole bunch of firemen sitting around the table playing poker, doing whatever firemen do when there's no alarms. And uh, the alarm bell goes off and imagine all the firemen all just start freaking out. There's an alarm. Oh my gosh, what should we do? What should we do? Oh, you, do you know what to do? We, we should call somebody. We need, to, we need to get somebody to do something. We know that that's not the case. The alarm bell goes off. The firemen drop what they're doing. And they, first of all, they go and they get their fire suits. And they put on their fire gear. And then they go get in their very big, expensive, shiny red fire truck that has tools and resources and equipment and everything they need to show up to the scene to take care of the situation. They have everything they need, and they've been trained and equipped, and they are ready for it. So when the alarm bell goes off, there's no reaction of emotion. There's no reaction of fear. It's cool, calm, collected. They gear up. They get in their truck with all of their resources, and they go to the scene. And when they show up to the scene, if there is imminent danger, if there is an active big fire, they're going to they're gonna immediately go take care of the fire. But more times than not, when they show up to the scene, there oftentimes isn't going to be imminent danger, but there's going to be a crowd of people freaking out. And there's going to be people reacting out of emotion everywhere. And when they show up to the scene, they get out, again, cool, calm, and collected, and they walk out and they say, hey, 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 are you okay? Are you okay? Hey, everything's going to be okay because I'm here. I'm a fireman. I've been trained for this. I know how to take care of the fire. I know how to take care of you. I know how to take care of the situation. So everything's going to be okay. And people that are in that state of emotional chaos, when the fireman shows up on the scene, they actually trust that the fireman does know what he's doing, that he is prepared and equipped and trained to take care of the situation. They actually believe it, which allows what to come in? Peace calm. So the firemen show up to the situation, they take care of the situation, and they bring peace with them. And I think that is so important and such a powerful analogy of what I believe God is asking each and every one of us to be in the state of our world today. Because again, like I said, we weren't expecting this stuff to happen. But just like the firemen who woke up getting ready to go to work, with the knowledge and the expectation that alarm bells are going to go off. There is a very slim chance that I will go to work today and the alarm bell never go off. More than likely, something is going to happen. Something wrong will happen today while I am at work, and it is my job to go take care of it. If you read scripture, it makes it very clear, especially as you read on the end times, that things are going to happen. 
that chaos is going to happen. I'm not speaking that and, and confessing that, but what I'm saying is that Scripture tells us that things are going to happen. So it's our job to be those first responders in the world today. And so I think it's another part of this is when that alarm bell goes off, what do the firemen do first? They don't just rush to the scene. They get their fire gear. They get their fire gear, and they get their tools and their resources. And I'm so grateful that Scripture gives us what we need to be equipped to go to the scene. It's the armor of God. You guys oftentimes, again, this is me growing up in church and Sunday school, like I knew the armor of God. But when you see it in a new light and in the state of the world that we're in today, the armor of God isn't just a, a cool picture of a soldier with a piece of, with armor. It's, it's mental and emotional states of mind. So we're going to walk through it real quick. The armor and the fire gear that God has given us to go be first responders in our world today. First of all, he's given us the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation protects our mind because scripture says we have the mind of Christ. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is pure, excellent, lovely, praiseworthy, admirable, just, think on those things. Not whatever is chaos and fearful and, and all the crazy things in the world. Don't focus on that. Don't focus on the media. Don't focus on all the news and the negative outlets and all the hatred and the anger and the things that are out in the world. But whatever is pure, just, lovely, excellent, admirable, and praiseworthy. Who's praiseworthy? Jesus. We need to keep our minds fixated on him. The breastplate of righteousness, which guards our hearts. Out of, the, out of our heart needs to flow nothing but the unconditional love of God. Our world needs people that are going to walk in love because there are a lot of people today that are not walking in love. And that breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness piece that we are a new creation, that you have been made new, your past is gone, and you are now considered by the grace of God the righteousness of God. And that breastplate protecting your heart so that you can love people the way that God has loved us. And then the belts of truth. Scripture says, and this is a, a misquoted scripture, it oftentimes says the truth will set us free. But the passage in scripture actually says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It cannot set you free if you don't know it. If you don't know what it says in this word, if you don't know what his word says and you don't know what's truth, there's a whole lot of people that are missing it right now. There's a whole lot of people that are trying to make laws and defining truth in our world and in our nation right now and a lot of people that are getting it wrong. The word of God is the authority of the truth and if you know the truth, it says that the truth will set you free. Amen. And then there's the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I think that this is one that is, again, oftentimes very misquoted. People say the shoes of peace. But I think there's a very key word that people leave out all the time. And scripture says it's the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. You see, when somebody decides, I want to be a fireman, I want to go help people, they don't wake up the next morning and walk up to the fire station and say, hey, I'm here reporting for duty. Sign me up. Let's go take care of some fires. You can't do that. If you want to be a fireman or woman, you've got to go through a process 
There is a huge process. You've got to enroll in school. You've got to take some tests. You've got to do these physical challenges. And you've got to pass all these tests so that you can be qualified to then be a fireman. So when that alarm bell goes off and the firemen go get ready to respond, we know that they are capable of taking care of the situation because they have been prepared. So the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace means that when they show up on the scene, because of their preparation and their schooling and their training and their equipping, when they do show up on the scene, what do they do? They bring peace. They bring peace into chaotic situations. They bring peace to fires. They bring peace to chaos because they are prepared, not just because they want to, but because they prepared for it. The last two, the shield of faith, which blocks every fiery dart of the enemy. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. But it does say very clearly in scripture that those weapons will be formed. So when something unexpected happens in your life, when an attack of the enemy comes, instead of being caught off guard, hey, scripture told me this was gonna happen. That's why I've got my shield. So I lift up my shield of faith, And I thank God for the fact that even though those weapons are there, and even though things are coming against me, thank you, Jesus, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And that's faith. That's what faith is. You have to practice it, and you have to have it in your mind. And lastly, we have five defensive pieces of the armor and one offensive weapon, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is what God gives us so that instead of just protecting ourselves from the attacks, we actually get to go out and take ground for God. And when Jesus was tempted in the desert, when he was out there and the devil came and he tried to tempt him, all three times Jesus responded with, it is written. He withstood the attacks of the enemy because he knew the word of God. The word of God was in his heart, and when the situations came at him and he was squeezed, what came out of him was the word of God. And the word of God can't come out of you if it isn't in you. So you gotta know it. So those are the pieces of the armor that God has given us to be first responders in our world. And as I bring it back, I wanna go back to the passage where we talk about the disciples in the boat and what I believe Jesus was trying to get us to realize. And when I, when I was looking at this passage a, about a year ago and I realized some things, what really, really caught me off guard about this passage is that you see the disciples, all of chapter eight before this, we started at verse 23, but Matthew eight, verse one, that section says, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. The next section, the faith of the Roman officer. Jesus performs the miracle and heals the servant. Then the next section, Jesus heals many people. In verse 16, that evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out evil spirits with a simple command and healed all the sick. All, all the sick. So the disciples were with Jesus through all of this. He saw, they saw miracle, they saw miracle. Then the section literally says he healed everybody, every single person that was not of the right mental or physical state of being, Jesus healed them all. So they had seen Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle. 
Now here they are on the boat and there's a storm and they weren't expecting the storm. And so they're not expecting the storm. Again, they react. They are the first reactors. They react out of emotion and they shake Jesus trying to wake him up because their perception is that Jesus is sleeping. Now here's the deal. Jesus being fully God and fully man, do you think in that moment that Jesus was so fully not God and fully man that he was so physically too tired that he could not be awake on a little tiny boat in a big old storm? I believe that he was not in that actual state of being too tired and sleeping. I believe he was more like me when I'm trying to catch a little nap on a Saturday afternoon with my two little kids running around and playing with each other and I'm on the couch, but I kind of have to have one eye open because my daughter who's crazy runs around with a baseball bat and if I'm not careful, she'll try to wake me up just like the disciples trying to wake Jesus up. But she's not gonna wake me up by tapping me. She's gonna wake me up with a baseball bat to my head. So I don't actually get to sleep. I'm just kind of laying there with one eye kind of halfway open, definitely listening to the situation as they start to plot and plan on, hey, we're going to sneak around the back of the couch and climb up on top and jump on daddy. Addy, you do it first. I'm like, I I hear you guys. (laughs) I know what's going on. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus in that moment was very much awake. That Jesus was very much aware of the situation. But he was sleeping because he was trying to see what they were going to do. But I feel like we oftentimes are in that situation where whatever storm we're in, the perception, our perception, which is reality because we are reacting out of fear because all we see is the storm. And so we feel like Jesus is asleep. And so the the disciples, again, remember, they saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. So... They freak out about a storm, so they shake him to wake him up, say, Jesus, do, do it, do, do what you, you, you're so good at doing these things, calm the wind and the waves. And when Jesus woke up, did he wake up and say, guys, thank you for waking me up, wind and waves, go away. No, he didn't. He woke up and said, guys, what are you doing? What, why are you so afraid? And this is the part that I think really, really jumped out of me when I was going through the scripture is that I feel like this is where I have been at times in my life and and where I honestly feel most of the church is at. Jesus, I saw you do miracle after miracle after miracle. So when the storm came, I tried to get your attention so that you could do another miracle So why are you saying I have little faith? Because I do have faith. I have faith that you can calm the storm. The disciples had faith in Jesus that he could do what he did, which is why they were shaking him, trying to wake him up. And I have to imagine that little head scratch moment of, we had faith that you could do it, which is why we had to wake you up. Do you guys think it's our responsibility to have to wake God up to the situations in our life? Do you actually think that God is asleep in the situation? Do you actually think he doesn't know what's going on? See, we have the vantage point of seeing the whole beginning to the end of all of the scripture, but the disciples in that moment, they didn't know the outcome. They didn't know the beginning from the end. 
And in that moment, they actually believed that they were going to die. And there's no way from our vantage point, looking back at the scripture, that Jesus was going to come down, son of God, virgin birth, call them out, do all these miracles, take them on a boat, die, boom, story's over. The last chapter in the Bible, Matthew chapter 8. This guy came and did some really cool things, but weather, you know, the weather app on the phone was wrong, like it is every day in Tulsa. And they didn't think there was going to be a storm, and there was, and they died. We know that's not the case. But the disciples, they didn't know that. And you see, in that moment, I believe with all my heart, when they woke him up and he said, guys, what are you doing? Wind and waves go away. They're not ready for you yet. I know if you caught that. But I think Jesus, when he spoke to the wind and the waves, see, he spoke to them as if he literally has relationship with them because Jesus is omnipotent and he knows all things. And he said, wind and waves go away. They're not ready for you yet. You see, wind and waves, I know that you're trying to like do stuff and I'm capable of telling you and calming everything. But what these guys don't know yet is I'm training them up to be world changers. I'm training them up so that when I leave, because I'm getting ready to die, come back to life, surprise, and then leave earth. But these 12 guys, they're going to change the world. And you see, what's so encouraging to me is that if you look at scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all of the disciples' lives up to the point of Jesus' death and resurrection, is that they got it wrong almost every single time. (laughs) Jesus spent most of the gospels demonstrating what he wanted them to do and then rebuking them every time they got it wrong. And I have to imagine it would have been hard and frustrating to have been one of those disciples when they're, tr- they're really trying. They're re- they were really trying to get it. Again, they had faith that he could do it. But in that moment, they were acting as the first reactors and they were calling 911, expecting God to show up as the first responder to take care of the situation. And what Jesus was trying to get them to realize is when I leave, y'all are going to go through a whole lot more bigger storms than this. And ultimately, most of them ended up being martyrs for him. And they ended up going through crazy amount of storms. But when they got it right later on, they realized the perspective of the storm didn't matter. The storm doesn't matter. They started to realize the end of the story. And we know the end of the story now. We win. But for you and your situations, whatever you're going through, it may not feel like you know the end of your situation, of your financial struggle, of your marriage, of your relationship, of your situation or your health. But you have to have that eternal perspective if you believe in Jesus. Scripture says if you confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you are saved, you're going to heaven, you win. You win. So in that moment, on the boat, the disciples had an opportunity, and they missed it. You see, in that moment, Matthew, imagine Matthew elbowing Mark, like, oh my gosh, there's a huge storm coming. What should we do? And they start to freak out in emotions, and and then Mark nudges John. He's like, John, you're the emotional one. What, what, What should we do here? We're all acting emotionally. Lead us in our emotions. And John starts freaking out because he really was emotional. And then all of a sudden, they all start freaking out. But imagine, remember, Jesus sleeping, one eye open, kind of just watching what's going on. 
Imagine one of the disciples saying, guys, 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 guys. Hey, hey, every, hey, look at me, look at me. Jesus is in our boat. What if in that moment, instead of freaking out and trying to wake him up, the disciples would have started talking about how he's right here in our boat. And if he's in our boat, we know that he's Jesus and he's not gonna lose and he's not gonna die. I'm so glad I'm in his boat and I'm so glad he's in my boat. So what should we, so, so what should we do, guys, huh? What, what should we do? Should we, should, we, should we calm the wind and the waves ourselves? Like, we could try it. But here's the deal. I, we have that ability and that authority to calm the wind and the waves ourselves, and that's what Jesus was trying to train them up to equip them. But sometimes we don't even have to. Because in the moment, if they would have realized it, there's no way the wind and the waves could have affected them because Jesus was right there. And in the moment, I believe there was an opportunity to have one of the greatest worship services of all time. You see, the PF change I was talking about, the band can come back out as we're getting ready to close. The PF change I'm referring to that we all need in our life is instead of praying for what we need and what we are lacking in our lives and what we are needing to shake God and wake him up to do in our lives, praising God for what we do have. You're believing for a miracle in your marriage. Thank God that you have a marriage that you're praying for. You're believing for financial breakthrough in your, in your business. Thank God you have a business to pray for. The situation, the family members that you're believing for healing for, thank God that you have them and that you have a family. You see, I believe there was an opportunity missed right there. That the disciples in that moment instead of focusing on the storm, shaking Jesus, trying to wake him up and asking him to do the job that they were, themselves were capable of, they could have simply look, put their eyes to heaven, looked up to God and said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that Jesus is in our boat. Thank you, God, for what you have brought us through. Thank you that you've allowed us to see all these miracles so that right now in this storm situation, we don't have to fear because we've already seen you do all these incredible things and we know that you're capable of doing it again. And if these wind and waves need to be calmed, then they'll be calmed. But if they don't need to be calmed, then they don't need to be calmed and they can't touch us. And I don't know the outcome of the pandemic. I don't even know the outcome of the election. I, I, I don't know what's gonna happen in all these situations. And I don't know the outcome of your personal situation. But I know that if the wind and waves need to be calmed, they'll be calmed. And if they don't need to be calmed, then they don't. But you're gonna be okay. The words of this song are super powerful that we're gonna go back into. We sang it earlier. Yes, I will lift you high in my lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. All my days, yes, I will. And you see, what I believe would have happened in that moment, in the boat, Jesus sleeping, one eye open, watching the situation, and the disciples, instead of shaking him and waking him up, they all start worshiping and thanking God for the situation and thanking God that Jesus is in their boat. Jesus would have jumped up and said, guys, 
Yes! You got it! You did it, guy! Wind and waves, go away. They passed the test. And you see, that's what I think the crazy thing is, is that Jesus would have calmed the wind and the waves either way. But I think he was, would have been so proud of them and so grateful and thankful for them in that moment for worshiping him instead of focusing on the fear. And recently in my life, this has been put to test a couple times. I've had some, we've, in the last couple months, me and my wife, we've had some unexpected things come our way. Two different situations, two different days, about a month apart. We had an unexpected $900 bill and an unexpected $1,200 bill that, again, we weren't planning for. And I remember at the end of one of these stressful days that we were getting ready to have to go, like, pay the, pay the bill and, and my wife, you know, just saying, oh, praise the Lord. And I said, yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that we are prepared for this. Praise, I know we didn't want this. I know we weren't expecting this. I know this isn't a good thing that happened to us, but praise the Lord that we have money in the bank and that we can handle this. Praise the Lord that God is good and he's blessed us and he's taking care of everything we need. And in both of those situations, it's crazy, but in both of those situations, responding that way and just saying, God, thank you that we have what we need and this isn't, gonna break, this isn't gonna break me. Thank you, God, that you have blessed us so that we can get through this. And in both of those situations, by the end of the day, the bill was completely gone. Out of both of those situations, it should have cost us 2,100, we actually profited 50 cents. Crazy story. I can tell you the details of it. But you see, God was so grateful that I wasn't focused on the problem and praising him. And he actually calmed the wind and the waves anyway. And I didn't even have to ask him to. And that's what I believe God wants to do in all of our lives. His will for us is good. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to have the life. Jeremiah 29, 11 plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. He wants that for you. But there's some things that we got to get right. We got to stop freaking out. We got to start trusting him. So I want us to go back into this song and I want you to think right now, five seconds, think of your storm or your 18 storms. Think of your situation. Five, four, three, two, one. Now don't think about it anymore. Take your eyes off of that, fix your eyes on God and start thanking him for everything that he has done in your life and thanking him now that he's got the outcome of your situation that you're gonna win. So as we go back into this song, church, let's thank God like we actually mean it from the bottom of our hearts. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.